Okay, good morning, my dear friends. We're going to finish the Techal and more the, the rebuke of Moshe to the Jewish people. And more importantly, we're going to try and go a little bit deeper into understanding why we have to be given these warnings, this rebuke, these curses, if we will not properly obey the word of Hashem. So, as mentioned yesterday, there's 98 curses in the Torah. 98 curses that Moshe warned the Jewish people will come upon them if they will not listen to the word of Hashem and not listen. And then more importantly, as we said yesterday, not only if they don't listen, but they do not serve Hashem properly. With joy and with a happy heart, from all the blessings that God gives us. Meaning God gives us blessings and we, have, we, and we listen to them, we do the mitzvot. But we do them without a heart, without happiness, without joy, without feeling, for that alone we're worthy of punishment. So we're at the very end of the Teichah, the last few, uh, last few curses, is where God says you're going to go amongst other nations, and there you will find no rest amongst the nations, nor will your foot find any rest. You'll have a trembling heart, we ended up yesterday, trembling heart, dashed hopes, and the davo nefesh, a depressed soul. Pretty sad. Your life will hang in suspense before you. Meaning you're going to live in constant fear for your life. You'll be afraid in the night and you'll be afraid in the day. And uh, you will not even believe in the reliability of your own life. In the evening you say, if only be morning. You're so desperate, your life is so bad. You say, if only it's already the evening so I can go to sleep. Oh, sorry, only yesterday evening, which was less bad than today. And the evening is if only it was still the morning, which is less bad than the sights that you would behold and see during the course of the day. We already mentioned this earlier, it's repeating, that the sights that you will see will, give you, uh, will make you afraid. And then for the final, last of the 98 curses, that God will bring you back to Egypt in slave ships. Which, it's bad if you go back to Egypt because it has your, you know, PTSD. You go back to the land where you were slaves. It's already traumatic. Here you go back to Egypt as slaves in the bottom of ships, which happened with the Romans when they conquered the Jewish people. They were many, many slaves. And there um, you'll go through ships, and then they'll take you on the land, and you'll go back to the place where I promised you that you will never see the land of Egypt again. There you'll be back as slaves. And you'll be sold there as slaves to your enemies. Not just that you'll be slaves, you'll be slaves to your enemies. And there'll be such an abundance, such a glut of slaves available that there won't even be anyone that wants to buy you. So it indeed happened at the destruction of the Second Temple. There were so many Jewish slaves that the value of a slave dropped tremendously because there was such an abundance of them on the market. So the times of Haman, and Haman, in the time of Haman, a Jewish slave had no value because they said, why would I buy a slave will be killed by Haman's decree? No one wanted to buy a Jewish slave. So that one last curse seemingly has like a few different curses within it. But that's the last one. Um, and then it finishes off the entire chapter. These are the words that constitute the covenant that Hashem commanded Moses to make with the Jewish people in the land of Moab in addition to the curses that he and the, the covenant of blessings and curses that he made with them at Chorev. Chorev is another name for Mount Sinai. So here God is saying, these are the commandments that Moshe made with the Jewish people besides for what happened at Mount Sinai. Okay. Now let's go a little deeper and understand these curses a little bit. Yes? So, the Medrash says, that why are the, the, these curses? So it says, one of the curses says that when you'll sin against God, all these kloles, all these curses will come upon you. 
and they will overtake you. So this mentioned that one yesterday. Marjorie said, don't read it, means it will stand you up, it will preserve you. How will the curses preserve us? Because when we are, when we are um, cursed, what happens? When the Jew is suffering. Look at the other way. When everything is good for the Jew, not for every Jew, but for many Jews, what happens when things are good for them? And they have money and they have health and everything? Exactly, exactly, exactly. We take credit for it. We assume it's our own, our own brilliance, our own greatness. And we forget about Hashem. Sadly. What happens when the Jew is in trouble? They come to God. They call the rabbi. They run to Shul. I don't get phone calls. People, oh, rabbi, I had a great week. I made a lot of money in the stock market. Take $1,000 off my credit card. Yeah, it doesn't happen so often. But <laughs> rabbi, I have this problem. Pray for me. I can have surgery. I can have this. I can have that. Right? So whenever we have problems, that's when we come to God. So the curses are actually God's way of reminding us that He exists and keeping us in track to be, uh, to be loyal to Hashem. So the curses are not v'hitzigucha to overwhelm but v'hitzigucha to preserve us, to make us stand. Now, I'll tell you a beautiful story. Medrash continues. The Medrash says that the Jewish people were studying the curses in this week's parasha. It's in the times of the Roman destruction, when, after the destruction of the Temple, when the Romans were in control of Israel, when the Bishim Yochai was hiding in a cave, and um, the, the oppression of the Romans was terrible, and many of these curses were actually taking place in front of them as they were suffering under the Roman oppression in the land of Israel. And they were wondering, how come in the parasha B'chul Kaisai, in the book of Ayikra, when we have the curses, there, the end of the curses, it ends up with a very, very positive note. The end of the curse, if you remember, when we, we raise our voice, and God said, I won't forget my covenant with you, and after you'll sin, You'll do teshuva, and I'll bring you back. Right? That's the end of the teichecha there. Here, what's the end? Nothing. They'll be sold as slaves in ships to Egypt. There'll be an abundance of slaves. That your enemies only want to buy you as a slave. The end. These are the words of the covenant that God made with Moshe. That's no, the Moshe made with the Jewish people. Sorry, besides the covenant at Mount Sinai. End of the aliyah, <laughs> saying. It's not very, where's the happy ending? Where's where the promise of God not to forsake us? It's going to come in the next parsha of the Tzavim. But why is it not here? Right? So they're very, very deeply perturbed by this fact that it seems like our parsha is all negative with no happy ending. Normally, the words of rebuke, they start with blessing, they end with blessing, it's couched in the middle, it's sandwiched. Here it's not sandwiched. So they didn't know what to do. So they said to themselves, if only Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai would still be alive, he would be able to answer us. Sorry, not alive. If he would be present. But where was the Mishim Bar Yochai? In the cave. He was hiding in the cave. And nobody knew where he was hiding. It was a secret, right? Because the Muslims would kill him. So nobody knew where his hiding place was. Up in the north by Meron. So you know, no one knows where he's hiding and we can't ask him. And then, as they're sitting there, Yosi Bar Yehuda saw a group of doves flying overhead. And he saw that one of the doves was flying way behind the rest of the group. So Yosef by Yehuda, it's a story in the Medrash. So Yosef by Yehuda called the dove. He said, dove, dove, come here. You are considered the most faithful messenger since the times of Noah. Right? With the flood, the dove came back. So you symbolize the Jewish people. Some of the Jewish people is a dove. It's our symbol. I'm giving you a mission. Fly to Rishim by Yechai. He's, he's telling the dove. Fly to Rishim by Yechai and bring him our question that we have. He wrote down this question that I just asked you on this week's parsha. How come in the in, in the first time we have the teichecha? There's a happy ending. There's a promise of Hashem not to abandon us, not to ever forsake us. And here, there's no 
It ends with curses. And he put it to the beak of the dove's mouth, and the dove flew off too. And Shema Yechai. Shema Yechai gets this dove with a message from Yosef Bar Yehuda. And he read the question and began to cry. He began to cry. And he said, How low have the Jewish people fallen that they read the curses and they get so demoralized and so depressed they think God has forsaken them. Then the Medrash says, Eliyahu and Navi appeared before Rabbi Shemar Yechai. Eliyahu and Navi used to learn with Rabbi Shemar Yechai. They had a study partnership. That's how he became so holy. He lived with the angels. So Eliyahu and Navi told him that the same question was discussed in the Mesifta Derekiah, which means in the heavenly, in the heavenly uh, yeshiva. They had the same question about how come there's no blessings at the end of the curses. No happy promise. And so he said in the heaven they established that the, ble- the curses in this Teichacha are less harsh than the ones in Vayikra. Less harsh. Even though there's double the amount, but the double the amount is the same curse being repeated multiple times. And if you actually look, there's less than 48 curses. There's less curses than Teichacha, the first one. But it's like when a father rebukes his child. And he wants like really dramatize what's going to happen if he doesn't uh, behave. So he says the same thing in a lot of words. It's one threat, but you repeat the threat multiple times, right? So to Hashem over here, or Moshe rather, is repeating the warning of the, what will happen to us if we will sin. He's repeating it multiple times, but it's really only, uh, it's really much less curses being repeated to, 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 uh, to scare us. In addition... These curses, even the curses that are being said here, are not as intense as the curses in the first time, which is why there's no need for a happy ending. And as a proof of the Yonah, they gave him a proof. What's the most uh, harsh, seemingly, of all 98 curses that we read? I wanted to pick this one, I'll pick a different one. But the one that the Yonah says the most harsh curse, seemingly, is the one where there's a whole list of, of illnesses that will come upon you. It says, um, you're going to get, let's go find the verse. You're going to get uh, dry blisters and these blisters and wet blisters and fever and a dry fever and a high fever, right? Remember all that? A whole list of fevers and blisters and illnesses will come upon you. All the illnesses of Egypt, even the illnesses that they did not know in the land of Egypt. And then what does the verse say? That he will bring upon you curses that you have never even known before. A very, very vague curse. Curses will bring upon you curses that your fathers have even heard of before. Okay? So seemingly, it's not limited. It's a blood, any kind of curse that come upon us. But what's the Hebrew word used over here? Ya'alem alacha. So you can translate it as Ya'aleh, will bring up upon you. Or you could translate it as Ya'alem like He'alem. He'alem means concealed. Ya'alem alacha, be concealed from you. Meaning, even in the curse that sounds so bad, that it sounds like we're going to have these unknown curse that we've never experienced before. Um... That uh, curses are not written in the Torah, so the curses are not written in the Torah will come upon us. Even though, even that curse is really not so harsh. Ya alein will be hidden from from you. And uh, then Elion himself will teach you one more secret. In the last, it's all from Elion. I'm telling you now. In the last curse, the one we just read today about the ships of Egypt. So when you read it, how does it sound? Like a curse that the uh, the Jews will, that the enemies will come up in ships against us to destroy us. So we'll go back to Egypt and ships. So the Lord already said that when, when the Jews will do Teshuvah, Hashem will change the curse. Every curse is a blessing in disguise. And this last seemingly curse, which is really a blessing in disguise, then in the future Hashem will do miracles 
just like when we left Egypt. The end of days will have miracles like when we left Egypt, and then the nations will want to destroy the Jews in ships, but Hashem will drown them in the ships. If they come to attack us, Hashem will use these ships, all the army will go into the ships, and Hashem will drown their army in the ships, and there'll be no one to save them. So the point is that, uh, that there's a lot of blessings. The curse of first are not so bad. They're just being repeated multiple times to impress upon us the importance of staying loyal. Secondly, they, they preserve us. And in every curse, there's actually a blessing in the curse. And at Leon, we gave one secret, the last curse, it's actually a blessing of Hashem promising that the miracles of Egypt, or the exodus of Egypt, will come back to us. So Leon, Rabbi uh, wrote it all back down and put it back into the mouth of the dove, and the dove flew back to Yosef by Yehuda. And when the sages, they got this letter from Rabbi Shimon Yechai, they said that even though we don't know where Rabbi Shimon is, but wherever he is, that's where the Torah is. And he revived the spirit of the Jewish people from his hiding place in the cave. Anyway, that's, uh, that's how the Medrash explains the curses. Now, of course, in Hasidus it explains, although what, was, this, what he said, what Leo Navi said, that in every single bless, every single cursing is really a, a blessing, is that the greatest blessings come hidden in curses. When a blessing is so great, it can't be revealed in its pure format. It has to be concealed to allow for the blessing to be contained. So too, because you have to be very, very powerful, you have to con- hide it in order to be able to carry it. So too, the greatest blessings of Hashem can't be revealed as blessings. They're high blessings. They seem like curses because we would be able to handle the intensity of them if they be the natural state. And so this talks at great length about the idea that the higher blessings, come, that, that darkness is higher than light. Light is the revelation of God. The darkness comes from deeper within God. And therefore the greatest acts of God, the greatest kindness of God, is not revealed as kindness, comes out, the, the tzaddikim rejoice in their suffering, because they understand that the suffering is actually a deeper form of God's love. Okay, there's more, but we'll leave it at that. And then we finish off, next, the end of the parish of the last Aliyah, which is the beginning of chapter 29, is afterwards, the Jewish people became very afraid. <laughs> they heard the 98 curses, and they became frightened, doubting if they could endure such suffering. So they come right to Moshe. So Moshe says in the beginning of the next chapter, by Yikra Moshe, I'll call Yisrael. Moshe gathers together all of the Jewish people. And he says to them, Atem Re'isem, you are the ones that saw everything that Hashem did before your eyes in the land of Egypt. How God destroyed Pharaoh and all of his servants and all of his nation. And you saw the great wonders and the great trial that you saw with your eyes and the great signs and the marvels. You saw all that. However, it's not enough to only believe in God when God does miracles and when God destroys the land of Egypt and the templates. First, number three, however, despite God showing you great open revealed miracles, God did not yet give to you a lev ladas, a heart to know, an eyes to see, an ears to hear, until this day. This day is the day before Moshe will pass away, Zion Adon. It's the beginning of the final, final speech of Moshe Rabbeinu. Now, this chapter. So now, after 40 years, and after 40 years of God taking you in the desert, 40 years where your clothing didn't wear out on you, and your shoes didn't wear out from being worn on your feet, and the bread that you ate, and uh, you, had, uh, uh, you did not have to eat bread, and you have not eaten old wine and new wine, because God took care of you, in order to know Hashem is your God. Meaning, now it's time to be able to see God 
even in the normal, natural order of day-to-day miracles and day-to-day existence. So Hashem gave you the miracles and you saw that. But the fact that you had bread to eat for 40 years and you had water to drink and you had clothing to wear and shoes to wear and security and shelter, you took it for granted. And you forgot to realize that these are also miracles of God. Just They don't get called miracles, they get called nature. Well, then they were miracles. But when, if bread comes from the heaven every single day, you also take it as nature. You don't think of it as a miracle. And therefore, you should know, we saw many other miracles. We came to the place of Sichon and to Cheshbon, and we fought wars against them. and gave the land as an inheritance to the tribe of Reuben and God and half of Manasseh. But the point is that God has always been with you. And now after 40 years, like I said, after 40, the Gemara says after 40 years, you can truly understand the wisdom of your teacher. After 40 years, now you should have the wisdom to be able to see God, not just in the miracles, but even in the food, even in the water, even in the day-to-day existence. And you know that God is always with you. He has not forsaken you. He will never abandon you. But it's a much deeper level of understanding. Much deeper level of, of, of spiritual divine awareness. And now you're about to enter the land of Israel. It's being expected of you to not be like little kids that don't see that. Even though Hashem did not give you the eyes, to, the, the heart to know and the eyes to see and the ears to hear before, now you're crossing the Jordan River. Hashem is giving it to you to be able to see God on your own.